0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's all about finding people who actually believe that you believe in them and where they're going. And man, I'll tell you, when you do that, get out of the way because your company's going to go a lot further than you could ever drive it yourself.
1: hey thanks so much for listening to another episode of the think business with tyler podcast show ken rusk is our guest today ken is passionate about seeing people succeed in life and business he believes you don't need a college degree to be successful in fact he wrote a book about it i encourage you to read it in this episode we discuss why you should put your employees first what it means to build entrepreneurial employees and why it's important and How to Live Life Like a Vacation. Ken's passion for helping people just shines in this episode. There is a lot to take about success and building a great business. Let's chat with Ken now. Hey, Ken, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Really super excited to speak with you. There's just a ton of knowledge you're about to share with us. I like to always start with, can you tell us what you do professionally right now? Well, yeah, it's the same
0: thing I've done since I was 15, only it's evolved a little bit. So I run a, a company called Rusk Industries, and uh, it, it contains uh, several different construction concerns. So basically, anything that you're fixing, repairing, or building, that's, uh, that's kind of what we're involved in.
1: Right. And so you look like you're about 18, so you've been doing it for three years, is that? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish, Tyler. Yeah, your lips to God's ears, right? <laughs> So that's awesome. So are these, would you define this as a blue collar type profession? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, I started ditch digging when I was 15 years of age and uh, we're still in that same business. So we get down and dirty at it. I mean, we, we jack up old houses and rip the basements out,
1: put new basements in and set them back down again. So yeah, we're about as blue collar as they get. That's awesome. So that's going to kind of set up our conversation here. So you wrote an awesome book. I read it. It's called Blue Collar Cash. Can you give us a little backdrop of what's that about? Who are we trying to talk to in that book?
0: Well, there's basically three audiences and I didn't expect one or two of them to happen, but it worked out that way. So if you're, if you're 15 to 19 and you're trying to figure out what your path is going to be, you know, I always talk about, you know, l- let's talk about what you want your life to look like first, and then we'll pick the path on how to get there because there's lots of different ways to get that. If you're somebody who's maybe stuck in a cubicle on the 15th floor somewhere, and you've been at something for 10 or 10 years or so, and maybe you're in your 30s or 40s, and you're like, you know, I really always wanted to be a furniture builder, or I wanted to do this or do something with my hands. That's a good, it's a good book to kind of transition back to that world. And um, the one that surprised me the most was, if you're a business owner and you're trying to build a team full of really, solid entrepreneurial type employees and help them drive your company they're they're doing like this these book clubs with the book which is really kind of
1: cool that is really cool so i want to talk a little bit about blue collar in general what are what are the common blue collar roles uh, obviously ditch digging is one of them what what can you name a few that would be common good ones even today by today's environment well yeah there's
0: there's hundreds of them i would say this you know it, it used to be that uh blue collar work was was kind of like the bellwether was manufacturing. And, and right. manufacturing, unfortunately, although it's a great industry, it was never more than a small percentage of total blue-collar workers, even in its heyday. So if you think about plumbers, electricians, carpenters, welders, you know, there there's all kinds of... If, if you get out of your bed in the morning and go to the office, you've probably crossed a thousand blue-collar jobs just getting there. And those jobs are all still in play. So there, there's a heck of a lot of opportunity out there.
1: Yeah. Hey, Ken, so one thing, you know, when I've, I'm i a lot older now, but when I was younger, I had this dream of being an electrician. And I went to uh, an electrical maintenance school for two years in high school. And as I got towards the end of the program, I got to apprentice with someone. And I I started to realize, like, climbing under, under houses and bending really thick pipe. I'm a relatively small guy. I worried, you know, hey, when I'm 50, I'm probably not going to be able to do this, and it kind of steered me off that path. And sometimes I regret it, sometimes I say it's a great move just, you know, financially. I ended up going down a path that probably equally could have worked out but just worked out for me. What are your thoughts around that like that? Do you have any thoughts like in terms of as someone gets progresses in their career, they might not be able to do that that blue collar type work?
0: You know, if you had asked me this question uh, 20 or 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I would say, yeah, it is a concern. You need to take care of yourself. You need to eat well. You need to be healthy, exercise, do all those things. But I can tell you now that, and I've experienced most of the things that that I would discuss with you. If you're born today, you are almost 100% chance of living to 100 or more years of age. True. And it's because of the advent of all these amazing science uh, things that we have going on. What's happening to bodies is even more exciting. There's things like stem cells and biologics and exosomes and peptides and all the things that start to help us to, to age or to hurt or you know, get sore here or weak there. Those kinds of things are now coming into play where you can actually boost yourself to get to that extra 10 years. And that's extra 10 years of your prime earning capability. So yeah, I used to think and worry about that, but I don't anymore because I've
1: experienced everything that I just told you. And there's some amazing technologies out there. It's funny you should say that. I mountain bike with with some friends every Sunday, and one of the gentlemen in the group is 70 years old, and he can match with any of us, which really kind of makes me think as I progress in my age, it just opens my own eyes to what's possible. I also play pickleball, and there's a guy in our group that's 72, I think, and the guy's so mobile. I never knew it until one day he happened to mention it. It is a great point how we're progressing in terms of our mobility, our physical ability at a longer longer time that we can do that. Well, not
0: only that, but I mean, in the old days, you you, you swung a, a two or a three pound hammer trying to drive nails. And now you're using these wow. pneumatic or electric driven nail guns. And that's kind of happening in every part of the industry, even, even people that lay floor tile. You know, those things are different than they used to be people that weld, those things are different than they used to be. People that pick things up, carry things, that's way different than it used to be. So obviously with technologies being what they are and, and obviously improving every single day, right? Uh, you don't necessarily have the same concerns that you might've had, you know, a few decades ago.
1: Yeah. That's a great point. In terms of our workforce, I know in the book talked a little bit about crisis. Can you share about that? Like, I think, you know, with this whole, like, uh, work shortage even the last couple of years. It's really in all industries. But how does that play in terms of the blue-collar workforce and just the crisis in the workforce?
0: Well, you know, I've seen this coming for a long time. It was way before the pandemic. And I can kind of tell you what happened. There's what I call like a perfect storm. There's, there's three things that are all kind of influencing this problem. The first one was they decided to start taking shop class out of high school back in the 80s. And you know, you could walk down the hallway in my high school and you could almost accidentally discover how cool it was to build a piece of furniture or to change a transmission in a car or to weld something or to wire an outlet or to cook something or whatever. When they did that, they filled those rooms with computers. And that's fine. We all need to learn that. But why was it one or the other? Why couldn't, couldn't we have had both? So you eliminated millions of kids from, again, accidentally discovering how cool the trades were and, and going in those fields. Then you had a situation where now, instead of kids being in the backyard, you know, building tree forts with a hammer and a nail and some lumber they might have found, you know, they're building Minecraft on these things. And and that's not the same experience at all. So, you know, kids are not used to going out and and, and working and, and using garden tools and those kinds of things like they used to be. Finally, you've got colleges who are really, really good at almost shaming or brainwashing you know, school counselors, high school teachers, and parents into saying it's our way or, or or else. You know, if you don't go to college, you're working fast food the rest of your life, and that is absolutely ridiculous. It's never been true. It's not true now. So, those three things kind of work together to eliminate you know the influx of those that would have been you know in the trades, uh, guys or gals that might have done those kinds of things. But there is a good there is a good news there. There's a there's a silver lining because you know supply and demand is a funny thing. You can't manipulate it. You can't, you know, you can't really go against that powerful economic force unless you really try to manipulate the numbers. But if you think about it where supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money always goes. And that's what you're seeing now in the trades. You're seeing Man, you're seeing carpenters making $150,000 a year. You're seeing plumbers making $150,000, $200,000. You're seeing welders knocking down $50, $60 an hour. It's, it's insane what's happening out there. But for the person who wants to uh, work with their hands, it's it's a golden opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So true. So this isn't really though about don't go to college necessarily. Like what are your thoughts in terms of, cause I agree with you, like there's such a stigma if you don't go to college, especially nowadays, you know, talking with my nieces and nephews, it's like, it's not even a consideration not to go. What do you feel about that in terms of you have to go to college?
0: Well, I look at it this way. There's 167 million people considered full employment in the United States, right? Right. Well, I looked at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. About 77 million of those people do something with their hands. So, if we try to shove 100% of our future kids into college, what do you think is going to happen there? Okay. You're going to be paying electricians more than you pay your surgeon. Okay. (laughs) If we're we're not (laughs) careful. So, I am not an anti college guy at all. If you're going to go to school to become a surgeon and and you want to operate on my shoulder so I can get back out on the golf course. I want you to learn everything there is about a knife before you pick one up, okay? And the same thing holds true with being a teacher or a nurse or, you know, an architect or an engineer. Obviously those things you need to learn, but those are job specific degrees. What I'm talking about is how we're pushing all these kids through these new college prep schools, like the the new high schools are now called college prep high schools. I don't know where that came from, but now you're shoving all these kids into there who maybe don't even want to go or don't have a reason to go, but they're being shamed into going. And then they come out with this debt and they come out with an unclear path because they didn't go to a specific you know, college for a specific uh, skill or trade or job. And and that's what I'm worrying about, where you know those kids would have been better off getting into something that they can run their own show. And yet now they're kind of being corralled into something they never really thought was good for them.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, I want to shift gears. So you talked about there's kind of three types of readers to your book. And the third reader was business owners, entrepreneurs that wanted to further develop their team or grow their business and team. Can we talk about that a little bit? I think we're going down the path of culture and just developing a strong team. What are your thoughts around that? And then I'd like to dig down into that a little bit.
0: Well, first off, you know, it's surprising to me that all these businesses are all of a sudden waking up and saying, wow, I, I need to build a good culture now because I need to attract people. And again, you know, in their defense, it was easier a while ago when you could just put an ad in the paper and you had 10 people in your foyer the next day. Right. That doesn't happen anymore. So now you have all this culture building and all this, wow, I need to make my place cool to work. Well, you know, when, when you're in the business I'm in, which is Again, we're, we're getting dirty. We're down in the mud. We're, I mean, concrete and jackhammers. You have to have good culture or else you're going to lose during any type of economic cycle. So we've been working on that for a very, very long time. And to me, if you're a business owner, one of the things that you want is you want, and this is controversial, Tyler, but you almost want to make yourself irrelevant to your own company. Because the only way to do that is to have a bunch of people that are really helping you drive the, the company forward. And I always say, I can't get what I want, nor can my company get what, what it wants or needs until all of you get what you want first. And I, I absolutely mean that. So we build a culture where we want you to be a little selfish. We want you to start with you first and then worry about how good the company does. Because if you're getting what you want for yourself with and through my company, I'm going to win every time. So. That's why business owners are turning to the book and saying, you know, let's let's go through like a book club scenario here where we can we can go through this book over 6 or 8 weeks and figure out how we build really solid, self-motivated, energetic and goal-oriented uh, people.
1: And just to drill down a little bit more on that. So, is part of getting those qualities of self-motivated and things like that is that by the individuals of meeting what they're what they're looking for for the, using the selfish definition what they need to get out of the role is that kind of part of that solution
0: you know that's a great question it, it used to be when you would interview somebody you know you would be like me boss you employee why should I hire you <laughs> you know that kind right, of thing right right well now now they they come in they sit across the desk and they go hey man what's in it for me to work here and'm I'm, I'm okay with that I mean a lot of people are really put off by that but for me I think well listen, If I can answer that question to that young man or that young lady, I've got something now, okay? If I can say, here's why you should work here. You can build your life. You can build your future. You can build your financing. You can build your retirement. And I'm going to make sure that stuff happens for you and with you. You're know, you hearing a different message. That person's going, wow, I haven't heard that before. This sounds like a pretty cool place because they care about me first and their own numbers second. So, yeah, I I think it's all about finding people who actually believe that you believe in them and where they're going. And man, I'll tell you, when you do that, get out of the way because your company's going to go a lot further than you could ever drive it yourself.
1: Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level, and they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to $25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I want to help stuck business owners that want to scale but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in 5 roadmap, and you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 555. Four, four four, and type the word "scale and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox
0: So yeah, I, I think it's all about finding people who actually believe that you believe in them and where they're going, and man, I'll tell you when you do that, get out of the way because your company's going to go a lot further than you could ever drive it yourself
1: right, right so you're a big believer. I believe you're a big believer in terms of people starting their own business. What does it take to do? I mean, what's your thoughts on that for one, like starting their own business? Maybe even does that ever happen within your own staff where they start to go, Hey, I'd like to go out on my own. What's your thoughts on that from an employer standpoint? And then also from just the individual wants to start their own business.
0: Two things. Number one, if you're an employer and you have somebody that, that, you know, works with you and then goes and opens up their own business, That seems like a negative in most scenarios. However, if they're talented enough that they can go make that successfully happen, you have the benefit of them supporting you for four or five or 10 years, whatever that might have been. So you have to at least be thankful or grateful for that part of it. Now, you know, there's another thing you don't necessarily have to own your own company to feel like you do. And I'll tell you, there's a, there's a, a good... Um, Tom Golisano came up with this. He's the founder of Paychecks. He came up with this term called entrepreneurial employees. What we do here is we allow the people that run the departments to act like they own them. They run the money. They run the budgets. They run the decisions. They run all those things. And then they, they either win or lose based on those decisions. And we obviously keep an eye on it, right? But if you have somebody who feels like they can be an owner in in the way that they make decisions or run their daily routines, they don't necessarily have to go own their own company because they're sharing in your profits. I'm all in for that. Okay. I will also say that, you know, when when I use the word control a lot, you know, if you have the ability to control your input, control your output, the quality of that output, the, the scheduling, the time, the length of time it takes to make that output happen. And also, your day and also your financial gain. You're working for yourself right there, and I think that's why I push either either find a place where you can become an entrepreneurial employee and let someone else take all the risk, or learn from them, go open your own thing, and enjoy the control on both sides of that page. And uh, either way, I think uh, I, I just think that's the best way to live.
1: Yeah, that's so much wisdom there. I love how you talk about. Sometimes people have this fantasy, I'll call it, or the grass is greener about owning their own business, but they're really not in a situation, whether it be financially or skills or whatever, they go and do it and they're really always behind the eight ball. I love that you allow people to kind of get into a situation to feel their own ownership, but still have the benefit of working under the umbrella of a company that's going to make their paycheck regardless of results and help them through things and be able to mentor with them. It sounds like a real win-win
0: yeah and, and I think the biggest key here is communication I mean so many of, of these these bosses or owners you know they feel like their value is derived from the problems they solve during the day or the or the things they you know they go home and their their husband or their wife says well how was your how was your day honey and they go oh well I fixed this and I solved that and I told them to do this and I and to me I don't want any of that I would rather have Nan- my wife Nancy say to me how was your day and I go Pretty good. I kind of went to work. I kind of watched it all happen. Plugged myself in where I wanted to, and it all went kind of well. So yeah, I, I think you have to let go of the ego of becoming that you know that that big boss, that top-down boss. And you need to be more campus style in your thinking, and and uh, get everyone together and say, okay, this is where our level is today. If we decide to take this to this level, I will share this much of that level with you, and we'll we'll celebrate that on some vacation somewhere together. And when you do those kinds of things, you really build a team that says, man, he's allowing us to control our own destiny. How cool is that?
1: Yeah, that's cool. So you mentioned communication. I want to drill down on that a little bit. What do you guys do in terms of like to have great communication? Is it around meetings? Is it around emailing frequently? What do you do to really improve your communication throughout your organization?
0: I think, first off, there's a large group of shared numbers, okay? And those are your metrics, right? Those are the things that you want to attack and you want to build and you want to improve upon. So you get, you have a lot of people have access to those numbers, and and they can see, number one, how the company's doing, but they also can see how they particularly fit into that mechanism or that equation. If you don't know how you affect the output of the company, you got no chance of being really, really good at it. Unless you just you know, unless you're just doing it accidentally, so yeah, for us we have a lot of meetings, we have a lot of celebrations, we have a lot of energy, a lot of color, a lot of music, a lot of um, accolades, a lot of milestones, a lot of goal setting, and we just you know our doors
1: are never closed. I mean, you can hear everybody else and what they're doing, and it's just kind of a group effort. When you talk about dashboards or metrics or KPIs, do you have a set number that you guys try to stay within? Like, is it 10 top metrics or are there a lot of metrics? What's your general philosophy on um, those metrics?
0: Well, I look at it this way. And if you ask the people in my office, they would say, I've heard him tell me this a thousand times. (laughs) I would say to them, you can either spend less or sell more. God forbid you do both. Okay. And yeah, there is a, there is a financial statement metric that, you know, out of every dollar, so many cents goes towards this and so many nickels go towards that and so many quarters go towards that and we just have to play that out and make sure that we're all staying within that world. And the reason is because the profit number is the number that they will then share out of. So, they have to realize they're creating their own bonus checks and I think that's what's really so cool about it. They're actually creating their own financial gains. And um they're working on it all the time. They're looking at it all the time. And uh, again, you got some of the team that says, Hey, you guys stay in here and try to find a way to spend less. I'm going to take my team and go out and try to find a way to grab more revenue. And it just seems to work out pretty well that way.
1: Do you ever have any challenges in terms of like sharing profitability where people kind of get a skewed picture because of maybe your profitability is really high or whatever? Is there a way you? Kind of eliminate that concern. That's sometimes what I'll hear from business owners: "Is oh, I can't share my profitability. That's I don't want them to see how much I'm making." For example,
0: well, you know, I I think you just have to kind of be real about it. Now, I think there's probably an average profit that most companies come out with. Sure, and that's kind of where we're at. You know, we we don't try to you know knock the cover off it so much that you know that I would be ashamed or afraid to show it. I mean, I, I don't quite understand that. Plus, we pay our people really well and although that eats up some of the profit it also allows them to understand that we are operating within a pretty normal profit base here okay and um you know do they know how much money I make per year probably not I mean they might be able to guess but as long as they each are in control of their own entrepreneurial employee departments they know that we're going to win in the end
1: yeah, I love that. That's so, that's so cool. Hey, I want to talk a little bit around goals and setting goals. Can you give us a little bit of wisdom? I know it was in the book. How do generally people want to approach setting their goals? Business owners in particular, and then executing on them.
0: Well, first off, I, you know, I'm a big believer in visualization and in like even drawing things out. So if I gave somebody a piece of paper and a crayon and said, "Draw a goal." The only thing they could possibly do is maybe draw the goal in a soccer field or something, you know, with the bars and the net (laughs) or whatever, or in a hockey rink or something. That would be the only thing they could. The word goal is such a vague term and it's so overused. So for me, it's not a goal until it's absolutely crystal clear and it's executable on. You know what I mean? You can execute on it. Yeah. So what we do, first off, is I mean, it's, it's five simple steps. First off, congratulate yourself for for actually having the forethought to do this. Okay. And the insight to do this and join the team of people who are go forward today type people. But you really in step two need to just define a goal as clearly as you can. And if that means you have to draw it, the last time you held a crayon in your hand, you were probably four or five years old, but that was probably your most creative part of your life. So grab that crayon, draw exactly what what you want into the final detail. And then we talk about what's the path to getting there in step three. So the goal is here. I need X amount of dollars maybe to achieve that goal or X amount of time or X amount of lessons. So you draw that path out. Exactly how am I going to get to that goal? Not not maybe or should have or with time. No, exactly how are you going to walk that path to get to that goal? And step four, it's real simple. Now you have the goal designed. It's, It's cool. It's in front of you. It's right there you got to go to your payroll clerk and you got to put it into action. I mean, you have to say, you know, save that $50 a week and put it in that account. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to hear about it until my goal is done. And then, you know, finally, like anything else, I don't care whether you're working out or what you're doing. It's always good to have a partner, someone you can share that goal with. What we do here is we have these huge black glass boards in the hallways. And we have these neon markers like you'd see on a uh, you know, a, a Mexican restaurant menu. Okay, for the bar drink of the day, and and they write these goals out in these real colorful uh, little little memes they put up there. Start date, end date, path, dollar amount, exactly when I'm going to get there. These went, went, again, when you when you put the goal up there, and then they sign it. And the cool thing is, is everybody else in the company now knows. Wow, she's chasing after that. So when they see her. They high five or hey, you're halfway or you're three quarters of the way there. Or, Keep going, and then as soon as they hit that goal, what first first thing we do is we write it down on the left side under accomplished goals. They erase it and put another one up there. So, if you're not chasing something, you really shouldn't be here. And um, again, it's your life, not mine. I'm going to make it as good as, as I can for you.
1: Yeah, that's great. I hear you use the word celebration a lot. It sounds like you guys have a lot of celebrations. Is that safe to say?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think. I mean, you got to make work fun, right? You know, there, there's too many good things happening out there. There's, there's birth dates and there's, you know, having children and there's, you know, milestones and there's, you know, things that you might've done. There's promotions and there's getting your goals. And there's so many things to talk about that are good out there. We have something we've called forever catch. I, I want to catch you doing something right, <laughs> you know, instead of catching you doing something wrong. So We've got TV screens all over the place and there's constantly some announcement about something going on. And uh, I just do that because it takes the gray away. You know what I mean? It just makes makes work a lot more fun and, and people get that you know what's going on in their personal life.
1: Yeah. I got a couple of things I want to uh, talk about before we wrap up. Something in the book that just really resonated with me was towards the end. I think it may have been the last pat- chapter said, remembering what is important. Give, get, and give again. So give, get, and give again. Can you talk about that a lot, little bit? I just it resonated with me so much. Powerful.
0: I think involving your company in charity, where they actually get involved in something rather than just, "Hey, we send a check over to you know somewhere in the desert, and we don't know where it went, who's benefiting from it." So we like to do a lot of charity where we actually get involved in something, whether it's Ronald McDonald House or Make a Wish, you know, where we know the people, we see the people, we understand the end. Uh, the, the the end result of of the money we're spending there, so it makes your team much better because they wouldn't probably do that on their own. But because you're you're putting this group in effort into it, they they do it and they really appreciate it. But here's the thing: I've never given a nickel in charity because I expected something to come back to me. Okay, and that's true. You have to give selflessly and sometimes even maybe anonymously. You just have to do it. But for some reason, and I can't put my finger on it how, the more you give, the more you just seem to be blessed. I'm not saying that's why you should do it, but it just kind of happens that way. But it gives you the opportunity to share more again. And um, I got to tell you, I mean, I couldn't imagine going a year without doing some type of charitable event. We do probably two dozen of them. And um, it just seems to bring stuff back to you, so that you can share more. I don't know if it's karma. I don't know what it is, but it just seems to work out
1: that way. Yeah, that's very cool. Hey, I want to. I always love to end with a business or a life tip. Is there something you could give us off the top of your head, either business or life, that we can make our lives better?
0: I don't think you've ever done anything worthwhile without planning it in the first place. You know how you and you know when you plan a vacation and then you anticipate that vacation. The sun, the sandals, the breeze, the ocean, the drink, the umbrella, the suntan lotion. You smell it. You feel it. You touch it, right? I think you should live life like a vacation. You should plan everything in your life. Your next house, your next car, your next accomplishment, your next pet, your next charity event, your next spiritual event, your health, your hobbies. Plan them all like a vacation. Anticipate life in many ways, and many facets. You will
1: be glad you did. There's no other way to live. Great one. Great one. Hey, so your website, and I'll put this in, in the show notes on thinktyler.com. It's kenrusk.com. Ken, K-E-N-R-U-S-K.com. K-E-N-R-U-S-K, That'll be in the show notes. Is there anywhere else anywhere else you'd like people to reach out to you if they want to talk with you or chat with you? Or is Ken Rusk the best place?
0: Well, that is the best place. I, I will tell you that I, I just developed a course and um, I did it kind of for charity reasons. So I have this $99 course that I built to take the book and make it reality for you rather than just read the book, put it on a shelf, and it's a trophy, right? It's it's actually will, will help change the way you look at your life. I've seen courses for 300 dollars a thousand. No, this is $99. You get a free $25 book with it. And if you do do that, I will donate one, a book and a course to somebody that you know for free or someone in our community if you don't have anyone to give it to. So just know that if you decide to help yourself, I didn't do this for the money. I did it to help people because my life was we're very blessed before this. So if you decide to help yourself, you'll be helping someone else at the same time.
1: Very cool. So that course, can they get that? Is that under courses on kenrest.com? It is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right at, the, okay. right at the top there. Okay. I'll make sure I give a link to just so they can get to that. I think that's an awesome offer on your part. The book is excellent. I mean, it's a good, to your point, like it kind of serves three different segments. So it's not like just if you want to go into blue collar work, it had can help a lot of people in a lot of areas. So I think it's great. I appreciate your time on the show today. I think you're a wonderful guest with a lot of wisdom. Hope you come on the show in the future. Absolutely. Love to appreciate your time. Take care, Ken. Yep.
0: Thanks, Todd.
1: Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices.